without purpose, we would not exist. It is purpose that created us, purpose that connects us, purpose that pulls us, that guides us, that drives us. It is purpose that defines us, purpose that binds us. Thanks for coming. Thanks for being here. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks we for having again. Special guest here, Tana Witten. I'm here with Samuel Goulet, our buddy. Yeah, buddy. Our friend. How you doing, Sam? Dude, I'm doing fantastic. How about yourself? Are you? I feel great. I am. I am. Are you cold? Uh, no. I am. Yes. Oh, I'm free. Because you guys, for those who are listening, because that's the only way that you I can adjust see. this content, um, they both have their arms folded, look like, <laughs> like. And you're you're over there warm. Yeah. You're a polar bear. I'm over here with sunglasses on and a, an umbrella in my drink. <laughs> I'm living the life right now. Living it up. Um, today we're talking about purpose, as I said in the intro of the show. Um, I was thinking about this concept. And what was weird is I had a conversation with you, Tana, and I thought that you had brought this up, like that you were going to talk about purpose. And I was like, man, I could have swore that this was her idea. That's so funny. I could have swore. And then I looked back at our text messages yesterday mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, no, it, it, really it was definitely idea. was my idea to talk I about purpose. I tried telling you that yesterday. I was, so con- me. I was so convinced that it was you because you were like, I remember... Uh, now that I'm recalling everything, sure. I remember that I had said I wanted to talk about purpose and you were excited about it. And you were like, oh, yeah, I can talk <laughs> all day on purpose. This is like so in my mind, because that was a couple weeks ago in my mind, I was thinking, oh, well, she she is the queen of purpose. So she must have come up with this conversation or this topic because mm-hmm. I don't remember. But it was me. I am a fool. No. No. no, I'm a fool. No, no. You are you are great. You were incorrect. Yeah. <laughs> You're not a fool, great. buddy. We love you. Yeah. Though Clyde, our buddy Clyde calls me fool all the time. So he's like, what's up, fool? What's up, fool? What's up, fool? It's like Shut- a term of endearment. Yeah. Shout out to Clyde, by the way. But uh, we're going to talk about uh, purpose today. Purpose. Um, I, I, I remember why I wanted to talk about purpose. It was all along the lines of like destiny. Is people are always constantly trying to find out what their destiny and what their purpose is on life. And I was thinking, like, what's my own purpose? I have all these talents. I know how to do all these things. But God, what is your purpose for me in this season and in this time or in my life? I've heard so many people say things like, you need to go to Saturday Night Live. You need to do this. You need to do that because you're so talented and you're so good at it. But all the things that people have encouraged me to do because they think I would flourish in... I'm not at all. I work in ministry. Mm -hmm. Like that is not like, I'm not doing the stand up rounds. I'm not on stages. I'm not doing any of that. I'm serving my community. So then I started thinking of like, wow, God, is this, was this my purpose or is my purpose safe for a different time? Or is this part of it? Like what, what is purpose? How do we find purpose? And is it something that is actually like, something that you're supposed to be doing or his purpose look like something else. Cause Sam and I had a conversation about this beforehand. It wasn't necessarily about like what it is you're supposed to be doing. Right. Sam, you were kind of talking about what the purpose was to you. Okay. Google pause music. I waited till there was a, Oh, very good. So you can edit it. Yeah. Sorry. I just realized the music was on. Would that have picked up in the background? Probably has been the whole time. 
Yeah, but it'll it'll be very, very faint. I thought it was an intentional vibe. No, I did it before to get a vibe, and then now... Did you want it back on? No, that's okay, good. Cool. All right, cool. cool. So, Sam, what what were you saying were some of the things that purpose is, and what sticks out about purpose to you? Well, I think we've thought about purpose a lot, and that's what's always nice to take topics that we've talked about and try and find uh, a deeper or more meaningful perspective or say something about it that hasn't been said. Uh, and when I hear people talk about purpose, I hear them focus on like their vocation or what they'll do for the rest of their life or what they're skilled in doing. And so those will typically be the things that they point out, like, what's my purpose? And then they evaluate their gifts or their talents or their natural uh, acumen towards something. And they can be really good highlighters, and they could point you in some good directions to doing something that you're not going to be miserable in. But oftentimes, when you're really trying to figure out what your purpose is, it goes a lot deeper than just what you're good at. Uh, and that's the part I think people miss a lot is that there's more to purpose than just what you, uh, what your build is and what you're going to do. Although that's really important. What do you think, Tana? Um, I think this is, <clears throat> excuse me, a really profound topic that I have seen uh, people in ministry and who have been in ministry for years really struggle with. I've seen the person in high school, I see uh, Cairo students struggle with this and it does open up a lot of complexities. Like what do I pursue educationally? Where's my paycheck coming from? What's God's timing? Cause I feel called to such and such, but maybe those opportunities or those doors aren't opening. And, um, I think that when we're talking about purpose, the first fundamental thing should be like, what things do I love and how did God wire me? And, uh, paycheck it's quick it's amazing how quick that begins to be a part of the factor like how how am I providing what doors are opening and yeah. I've seen people really go into places of turmoil in mm. this really go through things that I feel like they're like identity crisis because they don't either fundamentally know like how God has wired this journey and who he is and you know the trustworthy nature of his leading even of us. And, um, I can recall the first time I really was encountering this was with <clears throat> someone who was close to me and, uh, they were in ministry and really struggling with, um, my vocation in ministry looks like this. Cause that's how they were trained and feeling like this wasn't a fit to how they were wired. And we started to unpack some of these things. And it's like, let's just look at where is their favor? Where is their natural favor? And really feeling like almost two different languages were being spoken. You know, the language of what I want to do and the language of what um, society or my training or those signing my paycheck have authored. So this quickly gets so tied into who is authored, like expectations um, about either the industry you're going into. So Don, I'm sure you see some of this, like you had talked about uh, doing stand-up or you know, some of the things as a creative or somebody who was pursuing acting and comedy uh, that can look a certain way. But what happens if our purpose is something outside of what's already been um, maybe what's common? Yeah. There's still a real big part of me, though, that even though I've gone through all of this training and all these skills and all this stuff, I do find my my purpose of life, the meaning of why God put me on this earth to be, it is to provide joy for the masses like I really do believe that about my life it's just interesting to see like where God has taken me and where he shaped me 
Because you would think I'll be among the masses. It's well, it's supposed to look like this. Yeah. We have this preconceived notion in our minds that it's supposed to look like this, yeah. but actually it looks like something completely, like completely different. Yeah. I looked up the definition of purpose. Yeah. Because somebody always has to look up the definition of something. It's it's a necessity, really. Yeah, of course. Uh, but it said the reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists. And I think when I started out saying it's more than just something you do mm-hmm. or you're good at or your natural abilities point you towards, and it's in the definition, it, you'll do those things. Mm-hmm. But what is the reason? What is the driving force for it? And it reminds me of, I've been listening to Conan O'Brien's podcast, uh, talking about, and he's talking to different comedians, stand-ups and such, uh, and they talk about why they want to make people laugh. And they're driving force for, for it. And a lot of it's really interesting and I don't really need to regurgitate all of it, but a lot of it's really interesting to hear them talk about what that kind of really baseline desire to make people laugh is. And so it goes beyond just their skill to be able to. They had a drive to make people laugh for a reason. And I think that if you dig a little bit further than just what you're good at and ask yourself why you go about exactly. doing it, then you have your supply for, for motivation. <laughs> and you have your... You're the thing that will drive you to perfect the skill, to, to tune it, to hone it. Um, but if you're just like, this is what I do because I'm good at it, it can become that your identity gets entirely caught up in the makeup of what you're capable of doing and not why you're doing it. And I think your identity should always be shaped by why you're doing something. I think a lot... Go ahead, Tanner. I, I just was going to say, I think <clears throat> the trap kind of becomes how... So we have these inherent ways Why? that we've been How? wired. We're going to have to cover what yes. and then when exactly. and then where. Exactly. All those questions. But we, we have, uh, if we strip things back to the most simplest thing, like God dreamt of us, which is why we're here and there's breath in our lungs. God dreamt of us on purpose and Are you saying that God sleeps, Tana? Yeah. We have a theological discussion. No, I'm just keep going, keep going. He, he interwove within the fabric of our being, part of his nature, part of his character that we uniquely steward. And within that, those things are meant to be expressed within the earth. And that's the, the why, you know, like I, I, if it's being a comedian like Conan or, you know, like uh, Don, you know, bringing joy to people, like that's the why, like there's part of the nature of God that brings joy to people. And Don feels like he's stewarding that. He feels like he's stewarding being a joy bringer. And what can often happen is we start to look at purpose as in like how we're doing that. And then our identity gets wrapped up into um, how, like I'm pursuing stand-up comedy or I'm pursuing being the next Conan O'Brien. Um, and what happens when that doesn't pan out, then all of a sudden we think we're not measuring, um, up to what we're supposed to be doing and we're missing our purpose. That's really interesting. A lot of, and a lot of people that I want to be the next Mm -hmm. so-and-so I know for a long time that I wanted to be the next Robin Williams. Like that was my thing. But then I realized, well, there's, there's right Samuel let out a big sigh, uh, I, but there's there's no one like him. Yeah, there's no one like him. So then I become like remember that song. There's no one like Jehovah. There's no one like Jehovah. No one like Jehovah. That's good. <laughs> but like I, you know, you go after that, and then you know, unfortunate his unfortunate passing and then we hear mm-hmm. well there will no no one will there will never be anyone quite like Robin Williams. Right. 
And I, you know, that was a big wake up call for me. It was like, man, for a long time, this is someone who I tried to be like, mm -hmm. but really like he was such a unique individual and other people's are such unique individuals and they bring their portion. And I really believe purpose is about the individual. What does the individual feel like they are called to, not what the world is calling them to be or what society says they should because they do this a certain way? We see it a lot with athletes, right? I mean, you grew up playing basketball. Yeah. Um, I've, you know, we've got a good friend, Barrett Farley, who played soccer. Yeah. I mean, I think all of us when we were younger thought Barrett was going to be someone who pursues soccer for the rest of his life, and he's not in soccer anymore. Or yeah. We see that with athletes that grow up this certain way. They played this certain thing over and over and over again. And then all of a sudden it's like, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. How, do, how does that happen? I mean, you were an athlete. I know for you there were some unfortunate circumstances with your, your knees and other things like that. But there came a point where you're like, yeah, I think this is like, I'm good here. Yeah. Well, some athletes <clears throat> feel like the greatest commitment you can give to a sport is to say something like, I am a basketball player. I was born to do this. I was, I was <coughs> created with this very purpose. And I get that. I get that, that that's a meaningful expression for people. Or like even I'm born to be a musician. Mm -hmm. Or I was born to do this. I, I don't know that that's a really accurate statement. I don't know that that concept is really that accurate. I think that it's it's possibly missing the whole concept that I don't think we were born to do something, although I think we are born with certain gifts that definitely can make us go, oh, I f it feels as though I was born for this, but it's really not what we were born for or even why we were created in the heart of God. It, so, I mean, I may find talents in an area. I may find like, I, I, oh, this really makes sense. I should do this for the rest of my life. And that may be true and that may be accurate. But I really think that <coughs> identity is found or a really healthy understanding of oneself is found when I don't make my uh, purpose about doing something, but about who I am and like my being, like the very essence of who I am and yeah, how it sure. exists and why it exists. If that's not the baseline for it, then the statements like I'm a really great basketball player and I should be doing this can become the dominant force of what I do. So when I'm no longer capable of doing it, I feel lost. I feel like I don't have a purpose. And that would be inaccurate. Yeah. Tana, you deal with shaping and molding and helping young people, well, not just young people, but people of all walks of life find their purpose. What are some of the things that you've seen and some of the great things that have come out in helping people find their purpose? That's a, such an interesting question. <clears throat> I think um, more than doing that, what I really have the privilege of doing is just creating really safe places for people to explore what they love and where they get a chance to dream and partner with the Holy Spirit for having a vision for their life, where we put them in, in situations where we're going to celebrate their risk even if it ends up being a miss, it's such a beautiful learning moment, even in those things that look like, oh, they tried something and failed, um, let alone celebrating the highs if they tried it and they succeeded. Like, I just think in creating safe, nurturing environments, people have the freedom and all of a sudden some of those pressures or um, some of that writing of uh, how they're doing. Mm -hmm. 
themselves, you know, whether that's in ministry and they're going and doing outreach and they're learning that, you know, they actually have this great heart and can prophesy and, you know, now they no longer want to pursue XYZ vocation and they want to turn to ministry or they have had, you know, the pursuit of ministry, but they've realized in certain environments, hey, they really come alive when they're doing whatever. I just think in creating those safe places, that's, uh, that happens almost organically. And I know for me, I used to feel a tremendous amount of pressure in, uh, God, I don't want to miss it. You know, what do you have for me right now? There are choices before me, like I'm at a fork in the road and I can either, you know, pursue maybe, uh, this job or living in this city or, um, you know, going and having my major be this back when I was in college and, Uh, The closer I get to God and the more I'm aware of just how much he's for me and how much he loves me. And I really trust the things he's put inside of me, like the who I am, the more that I, that, that confidence grows. Like I just realized that's really the main thing. The simplest thing is the main thing. And out of that, I have options, you know, out of that, I get to have this adventure of finding what do I want to do? And I think, you know, I could go open a restaurant tomorrow um, or a, pursue catering, you know, and I would love that. And it would be great. I could pursue being a doula or going and reforming healthcare for, you know, maternal healthcare in a third world nation. And that would be great. I could pursue expanding college stuff. I, you know, I think we just get to the point where you're like, I know kind of like what Samuel was saying. Like, I just feel like I'm called to empower people and to care for people. And there's a lot of different avenues I could choose to do. And, and I'm doing this, like there's favor on it. There's, um, fruit within it. And, you know, I feel God's delight in it, but, you know, should at any time he begin to lead, you know, just like I transitioned from family pastoring where those elements were all still there when I did that, um, for prayer mountain, um, you know, now I'm doing those same things. I'm still being me. It's just a little bit of a different, uh, why, like the, the, how I'm doing that is different is what I'm trying to say. So I have a question for both of you. How do you find your calling? That's a great question that I'd like to answer. (laughs) But unfortunately, we ran out of time. No, <laughs> but unfortunately, our time's up. So uh, good luck with your calling. Good luck. And, and uh, uh, we hope you find it. Yeah. That's interesting. Romans 8 and 27 through 33 kind of talks a little bit about it. I'm not going to read the whole thing at all. Um, but the it, there's a part in there where it says we were, we, uh, we were called, uh, or it says according to his purpose, and his is a capital H being God. Uh, and then it says, for, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. And there's this idea of like, what do I look like? Who am I? What do I sound like? What do I do? That is the real core of everything you uh, express, that uh, there's a real transformation process. There's a real invitation by God to be like him in the image of his son, to act like him, mm-hmm. to think like him, to talk like him, to walk like him. And then whatever I find myself doing as like a vocation or a job or a career, that essence of who I am is applied to that vocation or to that job or to that initiative, whether it be a paid one or an unpaid one, that the essence of my character, my integrity, my personality, they've been honed and they've been shaped by this journey with God. And so how do you find your calling? I think that you connect with the God that's calling you like your father 
I've always felt like a calling is literally the voice of God in your life to come closer, to come closer into relationship, to come closer into transformation, and literally to adjust your your direction like you're facing and move towards him and pursue him and draw near to him. Because like what else is a calling except the voice of Heavenly Father saying, hey, Don, follow me, walk with me. It's like literally his voice calling you to a journey. And I think that's what calling is. Uh, and I think a lot of times we make our calling and our purpose this, well, what's my calling? And what somebody's saying is really what am I meant to do for the rest of my life? And I just think that's the wrong question to ask first. Well, it's a good question to ask, but I think it's the wrong first question because it's not your foundation. Because right now you're pastoring or you're in ministry, but honestly, in 10 years, God may have a different assignment, right. may lead you into something else, and that's really good. You haven't lost your purpose at that point because your purpose was never this application of your identity, you know? Oh, totally. Um, one of the interesting things, um, now I want to kind of move on to talk about being a child of God, because that really, to me, is what a, like my, I found where my purpose was, is that I was a child of Father in Heaven. I remember I was, I'm, I like, I used to really love the award seasons with, with the Oscars and the, the Oscars, Golden Globes and the Emmys, all that, all that stuff, because I, I wanted to picture myself. And of course, M- MTVs and then Nick, Nickelodeons. Uh-huh. Yeah, yep. those, those. All are, of those. People's Choice. Yeah, yep. those are important. Those are really the more prestigious. The Razzie Awards. The ra- which is like the worst. <laughs> yeah. 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 They celebrate the worst thing. Um, one of the things that I I remember watching was the SAG Awards, which is the Screen, Screen Actors Guild. Screen, yeah. um, I, I knew that because I'm a yeah. Because you're are you I'm SAG, an artist? Are you SAG AFTRA? Well, I, I'm an artist. Okay. I don't like to put myself just in SAG AFTRA. <laughs> was that last part? <laughs> SAG AFTRA. God bless you. SAG <laughs> AFTRA. <laughs> and at the beginning of the SAG Awards, they go around with a camera. And they go to a certain actor or actress and they go, they give a snippet about a story about them on set or something. And then they end with, I'm so-and-so and I'm an actor. Mm-hmm. After that. Or and actress, I, of course. Though they say actor. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So they say, um, they say that. And I was always like, I want to be able to like say that one day. And I remember when I was going on my journey of being truly transformed and wanting to be a child of God, I remember watching it again going, oh, and I felt so uncomfortable when I saw that, that yeah. there's a whole culture of people that, that they identify themselves as an actor first. Yeah. Before anything else. Yeah. And I thought, man, it's like, yeah, I want to be an actor and I want to be someone who's in the limelight one day, but I, man, I, I really hope that that's not the first thing that people see when, <laughs> oh, you're an actor. Or, yeah. I want them to know like, oh, this guy loves Jesus. Yeah. And he loves people. Yeah. He also is a, he's a really good actor, too. Yeah. At the same time. Yeah. Um, how much does pop culture play in such a role in people's purpose? Well, I think a probably a more important question is, who's the better actor? You? Me. Or me? Okay. All right. All right. That's cool. That's cool. That's fine. Now, if you said who's a better passer, it's obvious. <laughs> no. It's me. It's, it's oh, Tana. Oh. You beat me to it. I was going to say it's Tana. <laughs> I'm only teasing. Oh. <laughs> That's great. That's great. I think you're asking really great questions that are 
really deeply linked to identity and you know our our identity is first and foremost you know we're using the language of like child of god and 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 all of that but really we're we're a people that have been made and shaped in the image the character and the likeness of god and we're created for intimacy and union with him first and then in the garden god said to adam and eve like be fruitful multiply fill the earth um take dominion like god created this tiny representation within the confines of Eden that was, you know, his creation on earth of mirroring heaven. And man's job was to expand that uh, throughout the earth. And we're still here all these years later, you know, struggling to do the fulfillment of that, to accomplish the fulfillment of that. Um, And it's only going to be done in the confines of intimacy with him, of knowing how he wired us and knowing him, knowing his ways, which so many times in the what is my purpose and you know especially as christians you know there can be almost a heavier mandate because there's this sense of you know wanting to please and satisfy the expectation or the creation of the creator there that can be lofty especially if we don't really know him that there's this god up in the sky who made us for something am i measuring up am i not and in that idea of being a son and being a daughter and being created for relationship, all of a sudden, like Samuel's saying, it's this invitation into intimacy. It's this invitation into like um, a room with just one, just him. Just let me connect to him. Let me know him. Let him know me. And that's all on us to do that. So, you know, that's why I said, I think this go, the most important thing is to keep it the simplest thing, which is this is me and him. I'm on a journey of let me let me have more of him let him have more of me let me know more of him let him know more of me and from that you know in the safety of that and in the freedom that is in that and even you know god is like so tremendous at empowering us and even directing us like scripture even talks about him leading us with his eye like that's an intimate place to be in i think the sense that we as humans can get into when we're trying to figure this out of like, there's hoops. Am I making it? I'm feeling my way in the dark. I'm not really sure, you know, I want to do this, but my teacher told me I couldn't, or my parent told me I couldn't, or Mm -hmm. somebody told me I have to, or somebody told me I should. Like we all have stories of how, um, you know, this idea of what are we aiming our life, our vocation, what, what are we going to be? What are we going to be when we grow up? Like those are some of the first questions little kids get asked is that and i have i have a i'm so glad you brought Mm -hmm. that up because i do have a question that kind of correlates and ties with that and it's what is true about yourself today that would make your eight-year-old self cry cry like in a good way or cry cry like in a like my eight-year-old self would not like the answer yeah (laughs) or would be inspired by the answer no, he wants the pain one. Oh, the pain one. Yeah. Oh, interesting. It's so dark. Well, I don't know that my eight-year-old son would cry. Self, I think your eight-year-old self. Yeah, I don't think eight-year-old Sam would definitely not cry. I don't think I cried until I'm not sure I have. No. Still looking for that. I think I might not have tear ducts. I'm not sure. That's um, good, man. Yeah, that's good. That's healthy. That's healthy. We're Stuff it down. Stuff here. it down. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We are. Uh, eight-year-old self, man. I don't know. Uh, I don't. Man, I was such a, and this is going to sound funny, but I was very much in the moment, like as a kid and as like everything else. Sure. Like I was very much like what was in front of me. I was either wanting to 
to beat in some kind of competition or that victory. Doesn't sound like you at all. Right. Like that was literally like so much to me that it was like, how can I win? Was such a driving force. I didn't think about like what I was going to be in uh, eight year old, 22 years at all or what I was going to do. Uh, I was just like, well, whatever I'm doing, I'm probably winning. So <laughs> if <laughs> you, you're an exception to the rule, I, I am. To this I question, am. So it's a terrible question for me because I'm like at eight. I just was like, how can I win? Like, and if I found out my 30 year old self was a loser, uh, that might bother me. I'd be like, hey man, let's go to the future and let's beat him up. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't even know what really it would mean to actually be a loser, but uh, at eight, yeah, yeah. I, I think that perhaps me being me finding out that I had like just given up would probably be even more of a issue for me than losing. Cause you know, when you try and win, you lose at times. It's just part of playing the game. But I think if I had found out that I became a quitter, you know what I mean? A person that was just like, ah, well, I don't know. And I just quit. And that was kind of in my DNA become a part of like who I was. I think that would not necessarily make me cry, but make you want to punch you. But I'd would, blow up. My head would blow up. My but it would time. upset you. It would upset me greatly. That's yes. so fascinating. And somehow I knew that answer already. Yeah. yeah. But you didn't even think quit. about it. You can't quit, right? It's no. Like a, it's impossibility. Were you, were you asking what in our current life would make our eight-year-old self cry? Or what would our eight-year-old self, what would make them cry if they came to us right now and, and found sucks. this, like, hypothetically? Yeah. The second one. The hypothetical. Okay. Yeah. Not, yeah. not like a reality-based. Do you remember Monty Python and the Holy Grail? Yeah. Sure do. The Black Knight got all his limbs cut off. <laughs> talked about gnawing his... Yeah. <laughs> it's a flesh wound. Yeah. My eight-year-old self would hope that that's who I was. <laughs> Just not quitting. Yeah, not quitting. I'll gnaw your ankle off. <laughs> I, I think your eight-year-old self would high-five you. High-five. Yeah, right yes, now. Yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I think so. I think mine would probably be because I was a little bit of a tomboy. I was totally, like, social and talkative, and um, my report cards... You were a tomboy? I was the girliest tomboy ever with, like, dresses sense. and pigtails and jewelry and makeup, and I was out crawdad fishing and ripping the heads off of crawdads and... So playing basketball with boys and climbing, you know, trees and running through orchards and outdoors, outdoors, outdoors. And now you have like 95 sons. I do. Wouldn't yeah. that be just Crazy. a country girl, though? I didn't live in the country. <laughs> Wait, so what I know. urban place were you ripping crawdads heads off? From the creek in San Jose, California. This is what's Way interesting up. about Tana. She's from Cali, yep. but you would guess she's from Utah. <laughs> she I just has there. a real Utah vibe to her. Oh, Lots sure. of kids. Oh, uh, you're you know, meaning I have a, like a Mormon vibe? <laughs> well, not just Utah. We like to say Utah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. We love we love our Mormons. I have some really good friends that are Mormons. Absolutely. I don't think she gives off a Mormon vibe though. Or a Utah, Utah vibe. That's from saying Utah. Okay. I yeah. think I disagree, but that's okay. Anyways, I um, <laughs> I I was a daydreamer, and like my report cards, my teachers would always point out like Tana's great and such a pleasure to have in class, but you know she's a social butterfly. Or but I was the same way. She's staring out the windows, and I have to call her name three times to get her you know back in the classroom. She's and, pictures of her ripping off the heads of crawdads oh we're and concerned yeah i would reenact anne of green gables and the lady of shalott i this would the sweetest unload thing. 
or the dishwasher dancing with the plates like I was in the Nutcracker and doing some ballet, whatever. Like I just sure. was very, very playful and imaginative. So I think if I had grown up like mean, angry, stuffy, hating people, that would make my eight-year-old self Oh, cry. no. And that's what happens. <laughs> Totally, totally. Just wait wait till this uh, pod is done being recorded. That's amazing. Wow. I think for me... um, Yeah, Don, tell us about about yours. I think the real question is what my eight-year-old self would not cry at. Yeah. No, okay. I'm kidding. Oh. Oh. <laughs> we didn't know whether we could laugh at that or not. Yeah, both of you were like, like uh, uh, I feel that. No, 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 no. Um, I don't know. I Hello, think, sadness, my old friend. I think it would be the, why aren't you doing an HBO special like Dana Carvey had? Yeah. Yeah. Like, because there was a Dana Carvey special that was my favorite that he did. Nice. As a kid. And I was like, I want to do that. I want to be funny. And I used to like do the bit. Like, I used to do all of his bits. Mm-hmm. I think that he, if he saw that I was... Um, I wish I could see you dance gesturing. Yeah, you, you did a dance gesture. Oh, I would beautiful. do it like... That was so fun. I would do... I would say it along with him. Sure. All the time. Yeah. Why my mom let me watch it, I have a no idea. Topic. I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> Explains who inspired. I am today. <laughs> <laughs> But I, lo- I, I loved it. So I think if my eight-year-old self would to see that, he'd be like, what the heck, man? <laughs> what the heck, man? What are you doing? What are you t- <laughs> oh, man, so we aren't on stage yet? <laughs> oh, darn. You're on the stage of life, I think bud. you've done some yeah. great things on stage, though, that an eight-year-old would really enjoy. Yes. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so I have, I have one more question for you guys mm-hmm. on purpose. Um, Poipus. How are you going to save the world? Mm, I'm not. I'm not. I don't think I, I don't think I can. I would like to. I'd like to help. If you can. If you knew that on your deathbed you were going to save the world. Uh-huh. How, how are you going to do it? Uh, well, I could fly. Okay. For sure. I could Here shoot lasers go. out of my eyes. Here we go. <laughs> It'd be bulletproof. All right, Clark. <laughs> so that's how I would. Oh. <laughs> that's how I'd do it. Oh, you can't you can't bend the rules or break them. No, this no, 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 is no, no. This the is laws of physics. Yeah, Cal. Mm, that's reality, not fun. Reality yeah. based answer. Come like on, what? Man. What would I? If I could choose to do something that would save the world, what would I make that thing? How are you going to save the world? I'd be a voice of love and a symbol of love. I think that'd be pretty pretty cool way to do it. Very cool, Tana. I, I almost don't know how to answer that question, so I kind of rewrite it to like, what would, where would I be on my deathbed that I would be satisfied? Utah, you'd be in Utah. <laughs> I thought that was already clearly established. Oh yes, okay, good, good, yeah. good. No, um, I, for me, th- this is a really personal thing, uh, just because it's so the depths of where I've contemplated. But I just want to know I've loved with everything within me, and that I have brought you know, the whole of me and that I didn't hold anything back. I didn't have anything left for reserve that, you know, I can stand before God. And like, I, I expelled every bit, every bit of energy, you know, every bit of, of who you put inside of me that, 
Um, I took courage, which is profoundly necessary anytime we're talking purpose. Like there has got to be uh, courage and a yes and a willing willingness to press into the hard places, to be stable, to be consistent, to you know have that steadfastness, to take risks, to be humble. Like all of those things are so necessary. And I just would want to know that no amount of fear, no amount of insecurity, no amount of intimidation, um, no, no amount of fatigue or selfishness, you know, any of that caused me to withhold that I just, that I gave it, you know, whatever it was that God put in me, I gave it. Very cool. I love it. Well, Tana. You didn't answer. Oh yeah, I guess I didn't yeah. answer. How am I going to save the world? I'm going to make everybody that I come in contact with feel a joy that they've never felt before. Oh. That's how I'll save the world. And then, then from there on out, they'll tell of this joy that they've experienced and that it was a joy like they've never felt before, and they'll pass it on to somebody else. That's awesome. That's how I'll save the world. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That Your answer like was better purpose. than ours, huh? Yeah. That's not cool. No, that's not true. It's up, man. It was actual. It's cool. Yeah. It's all good, man. It's good. It's better than ours. It's fine. <laughs> sure. We're not mad. We're not upset. We don't feel trapped. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tana, thanks for coming. Oh, thanks for hanging out with us. Yep. Uh, this is a lot of fun. Sam, love you, buddy. Hey, man. God bless. Really love you. <laughs> uh, for those of you who just, this is your first time, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Rate and review. We want to hear from you guys. Rate and review. Yeah. Not rate and review. Yeah. Rate and review. 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 Anyway, we love you guys. We can't wait to talk to you guys next time here on the Mountain Podcast. Mm-hmm.